Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Today we're concluding a four-week series called Keys of the Kingdom. Keys of the Kingdom. And we've been talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Those, those mean the same thing which is a realm, a reign, and a rule. And like Kanye West's album, Jesus is king. He's the king of the kingdom. He's the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And he has given us, he has given his church, you and I, Jesus followers, Christians, believers, he has given us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's what the series started with Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. The keys of the kingdom represent access to the invisible realm. They represent partnership with God and they represent authority to exercise God's life and his love, his power and his presence in this world. And so it is our job to invite God's rule to overrule Satan's rule. And uh, we've talked about five keys of the kingdom so far. Key number one, prayer and fasting. Key number two, the name of Jesus. Key number three, the blood of Jesus. Key number four is praise. Key number five is worship. And today we're gonna add the final two keys. So if you have a Bible, open with me to Acts chapter four, if you would. Acts chapter four. As you're frantically turning there in your Bibles, let me give you a little bit of background. We're gonna revisit a story that we uh, started two weeks ago about Peter and John. Peter and John had just been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2. Early church was started and birthed and, and uh, began to explode. 3,000 people got saved. Is that Nico over there? Good to see you, man. How's football going, buddy? Yeah, all right, good. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here. I was talking to your mom the other day. The church began to explode. The Holy Spirit poured out. Peter and John, it says in Acts 3, they were walking into the temple to pray as was their custom. And a man who had been crippled from birth was sitting there begging. Peter said, look at me. And the man looked up. And he, Peter said, I ain't got no money. <laughs> Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I now give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And it said, Peter, grab this man by the hand. I think he grabbed him before the guy knew what was happening. And he pulled him up to his feet, and immediately he was healed. And this man began, you would too, he began leaping, jumping, shouting, praising the Lord, worshiping God. Caused a great commotion. A crowd gathered, and Peter did what he would do. He preached, and and. Things were happening, God was moving, and the religious leaders then show up to put a stop to the, to the show, so to speak, just like they did with Jesus, the same ones. They show up, they arrest Peter and John, throw them in prison, trying to figure out what to do with them, interrogate them. What, by what name or what authority are you doing this? And Peter and John tell them, and they threaten them with many threats, the Bible says, and then they finally release them. And this is where we pick it up in verse 23. In fact, why don't you stand to your feet if you would, let's pray. And then we're going to read scripture together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power and the truth of your word. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, the author of scripture. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Let your word come alive in our hearts. It would bring change and transformation and encouragement. In Jesus' name, let the Dodgers keep winning. Let the Giants keep losing. Amen. 
Verse 23, and being let go, they, referring to Peter and John, went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, and then they quote scripture, why did, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Can the church say amen? amen. Before you're seated, tell somebody, say, hey, just so you know, I haven't lost my keys in a couple of weeks. Go ahead and tell them that and then you can be seated. Tell them, just so you know, I know ladies, you're using your key pocket now in your purse. It's brilliant, brilliant idea. Title of my message is The Word in the Spirit. The Word in the Spirit. Key number seven is the Word of God. Excuse me, key number six is the Word of God. Key number seven is the Spirit of God. We have been and always will be a church that believes in the power of the Bible and the power of the Holy Spirit. Unapologetically, unashamedly, we believe in the power of God and the power of of his word. In fact, just about a month ago at the end of August, Pastor Junior preached a great message called There's Power in the Word. And back in April, I preached a three-week series on the Holy Spirit called Filled and Empowered. A church that only teaches the Bible but believes that the Holy Spirit has no real role or activity today in this world is dead and powerless. Might get good Bible teaching, but you're missing out on about half of what Jesus wants to do in your life. On the other side, a church that only emphasizes the Holy Spirit, but doesn't have good, sound biblical teaching, is going to be goofy and weird. Some of y'all came out of some of those goofy and weird churches. People rolling down the aisles, hanging from the chandeliers, and there was a lot of excitement, but not a lot of depth. It was kind of like, everybody kind of said, well, I don't know what just happened, but it was exciting. Listen. In your own life, in, in a church, if there's not a healthy balance, you're gonna get off track. It's like a car that has its tires that are out of alignment. You're gonna veer off in one direction and you're not gonna be really healthy. You need both in your life. It's not one or the other, friends, it's both and. And um, we are a healthy, life-giving church that believe in both. By the way, notice I didn't say we're a perfect church because there's no such thing as a perfect church just like there's no such thing as a perfect person. If you ever think you found the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up because you're messed up, right? You ain't perfect and I'm not either, but we need a healthy foundation of, and balance of both. And so these two keys of the kingdom are, are probably the most foundational of all seven because the other five of them all flow from them. So I wanna talk to you about how to use the power of the word of God. I'm, I'm talking about how to use it. 
the power of the word of God, and then I'll talk about how to use the power of the spirit of God. So let's talk about the word first. Number one is this. Stand in faith. Say faith. faith. Stand in faith on the word of God. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, even piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God contains the power of God. His words carry life-giving power. Genesis chapter one, what happened? God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. God created simply, friends. He didn't flex his creative muscles. He simply spoke, and his words were powerful enough to create everything that we see in the visible realm. His word carries power. Isaiah 55, 11 says, it is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. I love that. Friends, the word of God has the power to make you fruitful and productive for his kingdom. The word of God has the power to make you prosperous and successful for his glory. The word of God has the power to create miracles and breakthrough in impossible situations. The word of God has the power to transform your life if you stand in faith on it, his truth and his promises. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is believing that God can and will do what he said he would do. Faith moves the heart and the hand of God. Hearing God's word means that you receive it humbly and wholeheartedly. And so we receive the word and we believe the word. Standing in faith on God's word is believing and holding on to his promises, even when the facts say otherwise. Friends, what do you put more belief in? What do you trust more, facts or truth? Because sometimes the facts of what we see in our world are contrary to the truth of what we see in the word. And then you have a decision to make. You're either gonna walk according to the flesh and put your trust in the facts, or you're gonna walk according to the spirit and put your trust in the truth. Faith is not denying reality. Faith is declaring that God is greater than our reality. Faith does not ignore the facts of a situation. Faith is believing that the power of God's word can change a situation. So if the facts say, I'm sorry, it's impossible for you to ever have children, faith says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. When, if the facts say, you have severe depression, here's some pills, good luck. Your faith says, and be not grieved nor depressed. Come on. For the joy of the Lord is my strength and stronghold. I speak that almost every single day of my life over myself. I'm not gonna let pain, I'm not gonna let grief, I'm not gonna let, let suffering overwhelm me. That might be what the facts say, but that's not what the word of God says. If the facts say we have to make cuts, I'm sorry, we're releasing you today from your job. Faith says, Philippians 4, 19, and my God 
shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If the facts say, I'm sorry, sir, you have terminal cancer, there's nothing else that we can do. Faith says, oh Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. Come on, help me preach. Stand in faith on the word of God. Number two is speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed, they said, Lord, grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. That absolutely has a connection. It, that word means outspokenness. It means, it means cheerful courage to tell others about Christ. We ought to do that and have a holy boldness to be witnesses. But we also ought to speak the word of God with boldness over our own lives. You ought to prophesy over your own life. You ought to speak forth the word of God. You ought to pray and declare God's word over your life. Joshua chapter one, verse eight says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Notice that, from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Who knows how many books have been written in our world about how to be prosperous and how to be successful. In the word of God, in this one verse, it tells you, friends, it tells us how to be prosperous and successful. It says, speak the word, meditate on the word. And by the way, that word meditate in Hebrew, it means to think deeply about scripture. It means to think deeply about it. And while you're thinking deeply about it, it means to actually speak it and repeat it over and over and over again. You know why? Because when you meditate on the word of God, then it gets in you. It gets deep in you. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against him. So we speak it, we meditate on it, and then we obey God's word. If you want to be prosperous and successful, that's how you do it. The Bible tells us. Your words, our words create our world. Just as God's word created our world, your words create your world. And so if you go around speaking death and negative things over your life all the time, over your life, over your marriage, over your kids, your grandkids, your finances, your future, then guess what you're gonna get? <laughs> Some of us say things like, I'm always gonna be broke. I'll never get out of debt. I'll never get ahead. My marriage is always gonna suck. <laughs> I'll never get free from this addiction. I'm always gonna be ugly. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but if you speak life, if you speak faith, the power of God's word over yourself and your family and your kids with boldness, then God will create breakthrough and change situations. Friends, you ought to change. You ought to watch what comes out of your mouth. Proverbs 18, words have the power of death and life. So you ought to start saying things like, Lord, I thank you for Ephesians chapter one, verse three, that I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Lord, all that you have for me, I receive it by faith. Jeremiah 29, 11, God, I thank you that you have good plans for my life, plans to bless me and prosper me, to give me a hope and a future. Lord, I thank you that even though I don't feel like it, your word says in Romans 8, 37, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. Number three is this, is swing your sword, the word of God, against the enemy. Ephesians 6, 17, and we take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I think every week in this series, I've touched on this at some point, how to take the keys and use them to defeat the enemy. And there's probably none more powerful than the word of God. 
Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was just filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit at his water baptism. What does the Bible say? It says the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tested and tempted by the devil himself for a period of 40 days. Jesus ate nothing. He drank nothing. He did face-to-face -face battle with the enemy. And how did he defeat him? Three times he was tempted, Scripture records. Every single time, what did Jesus do? He said, it is written. It is is written. It is written. Friends, that's how you use the sword in your life. It is written. In fact, Christina, give me that. Give me my sword here. This is a real, this is a real actual sword. Listen, when you know a sword, if you know how to use it strategically, a sword is a powerful offensive weapon. I, have, I don't know how to use a sword, so don't, don't get too nervous, all right? But I don't know, but I'm, I'm using it as an illustration. It is a powerful offensive weapon. But listen, if you keep it, if you keep it in its sheath, if you keep it in its sheath and try to use it, you might hit somebody or something. It might just make them angry, but it's not going to do much damage. Friends, the Bible is a powerful spiritual tool. The word of God in your own mouth is a powerful spiritual tool if you know how to use it. But if you just keep it on the shelf all the time, day after day, week after week, month after month, and all you get is, is preaching once a week, that's the only time that you hear the word of God. That's not enough. And so when the enemy comes against you, he's gonna beat you up. You need to know how to use it, and you say, it is written. So when he comes at you with fear, or anxiety, or depression, or temptation, or a, an addiction that you've been struggling with, you stand in faith on the word of God, and you speak it and declare it. Come on. And the enemy has to flee. Get, get that sword away from me before I hurt me or somebody else. The word of God is living and powerful. Look at the person next to you and say, you've got a sword, use it. Come on, tell, tell him, you've got a sword, use it. How to use the power of the Spirit of God. Key number seven, we'll close this series with this. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Acts chapter four, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. That, that's not a metaphorical shaking. That is a literal, physical shaking. The power of God came upon them. It just come upon them just prior in Acts chapter two, came upon them, that whole place was shaken where they were gathered. And what happened? They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Friends, the, the power source for everything that Jesus did while he was on this planet was the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promised us, read scripture, John 14, 15, 16. He promised us, that the same spirit, the same power source that was on him and in him and moved through him, the Holy Spirit, that he was going to give to you and I. He actually said at one point, he says, guys, it is good that I'm going back to heaven because when I do, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. In order to do what Jesus did, you need to have what Jesus had. You need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Your own willpower is not enough. You've probably figured that out already. Your own willpower is not enough. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite verses, one of my dad's favorite scriptures was Zechariah chapter four, verse six. And it says, this is the word of the Lord, not by might, not by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
Friends, you ought to lay hold of that promise. How to use the power of the Spirit of God. Here's number one. Receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Jesus. Receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Jesus. John chapter 7, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow. What does it say? Rivers. It doesn't say sprinkles. <laughs> it doesn't say trickles. It doesn't say drops. It says out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You know that feeling that you get after you've worked out really hard or exercised or went on a long run where you're just, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're, you're, you're thirsty, you're desperate for a, a cool drink of water. Some of us feel like that spiritually right now. You feel tired, you feel exhausted, you feel worn out, and you are, are desperate for God to do something in your life. Friends, Jesus is the living water. He's the living water. Here, Christine, let me have that. Listen, in Paul writes, he says that we are his vessel. Listen, you're, you're a vessel that God wants to use for his glory. And he wants us to be, listen, he wants us to be clean, he wants us to be open, and he wants us to be empty. Clean, meaning that you keep a short account with God that you're a man or woman of repentance. None of us are perfect, but say, God, if I messed up, forgive me. Cleanse me, we wanna be clean. We wanna be empty, friends, empty of our own pride, empty of our own selfishness, empty of yourself so there's room for God. And he wants us to be open. He is looking, the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, looking for hearts who are fully committed to him. He is looking for men and women. He's looking for young men and young women that will be willing to surrender everything to him and say, Lord, I'm clean, I'm open, I'm empty. God, I wanna be used. Fill me, here, Christina, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your grace. Fill and overflow in my life. God doesn't use... He doesn't do glass, half empty, glass full. He fills you to overflowing. He fills you to spill, friends. You're filled to spill because the king of the kingdom lives in you. So everywhere you go, the kingdom is going with you. Starting first at your home with your mom or your dad or your spouse, your kids, and then in your workplace or your school or the soccer field or wherever you are, and the life of Jesus, his power, his presence, his grace, it is just waiting to flow out of you streams of living water. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, it says, don't get drunk on wine because that will ruin your life. Some of y'all could testify to that, couldn't you? It will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the tense is keep on being filled. I believe in one baptism, but I believe in continual fillings. Be filled and keep on being filled. Be filled and keep on being filled because there is always more. There is an endless resource of heaven, friends, that, wants, that God wants to pour in your life so he can flow through your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, I take a sip of this water because I'm thirsty.
Delicious tap water. Thank you, Christina. You will receive power and ability, Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Number two is rely on the Holy Spirit to become more and more like Jesus. Rely on the Holy Spirit to become more and more like Jesus. Listen, the Holy Spirit helps to make us like Jesus both in his character but also in his competence both in his character to, to be more loving, but also in his power and ability. But we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to do that work in our hearts. Let me give you an example. The last time that you intently observed a fruit tree, which I'm sure probably happened just two days ago, the last time that you looked at a fruit tree, did you happen to notice one of the branches that was connected to the tree that looked super stressed out? or super anxious, super worried, really striving, really trying hard to produce fruit. Come on, when's the last time that you looked at a branch on an orange tree and you saw a, a, an orange tree branch doing this, trying to produce an orange? I'm getting a little dizzy, by the way. Orange. Man, that was tough. <laughs> or you saw a tree on an apple on an apple branch doing this. It's coming. My wife's having a baby. I'm getting ready. Apple. Friend. <laughs> I thought I'd get more laughs than that, but all right, I tried. A branch on a tree doesn't need to be stressed out or anxious. A branch that's connected to a healthy tree doesn't need to try or strive. A branch, all a branch needs to do is just stay connected. It just needs to stay in close, intimate, personal relationship with a healthy tree. And if it does, it will grow and produce fruit. Friends, Jesus said in John 15, he says, I am the vine, you're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Paul says in Galatians 6, 8, but the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real eternal life. He says in Galatians 5, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Your job is to stay connected. His job is to produce fruit. Your job is to stay in fellowship. The Holy Spirit's job is to make you fruitful. But friends, it is not by your own might. It is not by your own effort. It is by the Spirit of God. Here's number three. I'm done. Worship team, come out. Number three is request from the Holy Spirit to do what Jesus did. Request from the Holy Spirit to do what Jesus did. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Christmas is coming up, and your kids and grandkids, they are getting ready. And you better get ready too. You better be saving your money because they are not afraid to make bold requests of what they want for Christmas. Grandpa, I want a laptop for Christmas. Dad, I want a car for Christmas. Son, you're 11 years old. You can't drive it. You're not getting a car. My son Cohen 
few, few years ago, I think on his ninth birthday, Jenny said, what do you want for your, for your birthday? Cohen thought for a moment. He said, I want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> and we laughed and said, go ask your grandparents, because that's what any good parent does. Peter and John prayed, Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's a bold request. Do you make bold requests of the Holy Spirit? I know that's maybe a unique way to think about it. Are you making bold requests of the Holy Spirit? Are you asking him to heal? Are you asking him for miracles? Are you asking him to do the impossible? Are you asking him to use you? See, some of us just stop there. We just stop there and think, that's not for me. I don't believe that. You'll never receive, friends, if you don't ask. God wants to use you. We need to pray big, bold prayers and believe God for big, bold things. God is as large as you allow him to be. He's as small as you can find him to be. Power of the Holy Spirit. Man, Holy Spirit changed my life when I was 16 years old. Never been the same. I just want more of him. More of his love, more of his power, more of his presence in my life because I can't do it on my own. Jesus is building his church. He's building this church, the cause church. He's building you and I. And all the powers of hell cannot and will not prevail. They cannot. Why? He's given us the keys of the kingdom. He's given you power and authority, friends. He loves you that much. He trusts you that much to take his kingdom and advance it everywhere that you go question is really, have you taken the keys from him and are you using them? Have you taken them and are you using them? Jesus is the king of the kingdom. He's the king of all kings and he's the Lord of all lords. And he wants to be and he ought to be the king of your life. Every single person has a throne in their lives and someone or something is on that throne. Whether or not you realize it or you've ever thought that way, it's true because you were created to worship. You're created to worship God, but you're gonna worship someone or something. Many of us in this room have decided that Jesus is my king and I'm living for him, but maybe you're here today, you've never made that decision before. You're watching online, you've never made that decision. You're not in relationship with God, friends, if he's not the king of your life. You might know about him, maybe you go to church, but you're not in relationship with him, you're not saved. And he loves you so much. For God so loved you, he so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus came and lived a sinless, perfect life. He showed us how to love God, how to love people. Died on the cross for our sins. To bring us into relationship with God. To give us abundant and eternal life. To restore our rulership under God so that we can live as men and women, king's kids, men and women, filled with his love and his joy and his peace. Defeated death, defeated all the powers of hell, friends. And he calls us into relationship with him. He offers us salvation, but you have to make that decision. You have to make that decision. The Bible says that he's placed eternity in our hearts, Ecclesiastes 3.11. And you're gonna live for eternity. Every single one of us will. 
Eternity with God is called heaven. Eternity apart from God is called hell. God created you to, to spend eternity in relationship with him. You gotta make that decision. Close your eyes for a moment if you would. Just give the gift of privacy. If you're here today and you never made a decision to make Jesus the king of your life, you wanna be in relationship with him. Maybe you prayed a prayer, but you've walked away and you find yourself here today and watching online. You wanna come back to the Lord. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says. Today's the day you're the person. You make the choice. God will make the change in your life, but you have to make that decision. I, nobody else can. I can't do it for you. Your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend can't. You have to make that decision. You have to open up your heart, surrender your life to him, invite him to be your king. If that's you today and you're ready to make that decision, I want to give you that opportunity. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and look at me in a moment. I won't call you. I won't ask you to say anything. I won't embarrass you but I want to see you and agree with you. On the count of three, look up, me, look up at me and raise your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand, hold it high until I see you. Hold it up in this place. If you're online, then let us know online as well. See you. Yeah, I know you, friend. You need to tell you, talk to your parents today too before you leave. I'll pray with you. I see you, ma'am, over there. Awesome. Anybody else here today? Hold your hand high. I know you, friend. I see you. I see you in the back. Thank you. I see you, young lady. See you, young lady. Tell your mom so she knows, too, right next to you. Anybody else here this morning? I see you. That's awesome. Praise God. Tell your friend that you came with. She's a, she's a godly woman. Anybody else here today? Several people who just made that decision for the Lord. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to lead all of us, all of our friends, in a prayer of confession and, and faith. It's a first step in following Jesus. Let's, let's pray this loud and support of them this morning, making the, that decision. Pray out loud, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life. Be my King. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Lord, make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I declare that heaven is my home and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church, can we celebrate that this morning? Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.